Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. As many of you know, we're talking about prayer this entire month, and we're using Thich Nhat Hanh's book, The Energy of Prayer, getting a little bit of the Buddhist idea of what prayer is about. And uh, last week, uh, for those of you who were here, we even handed out a little cheat sheet showing science of mind prayer, the little five-step, sometimes we call them treatments, sometimes we call them affirmative prayers. Uh, But the idea was, and in fact I sent you home with homework, uh, to have a go at it, to to see uh, how affirmative prayer might be helpful in your life. Uh, inevitably, that will lead to a frank discussion, which we're about to have, about why sometimes prayer doesn't seem to work. Now, you've probably all had the experience of having something in prayer, or maybe praying for a friend, praying for world peace, uh, praying for any number of things, and once in a while, you will feel stumped. Once in a while, you will wonder, well, did Marilyn lie? Isn't, isn't God supposed to say yes to all of our prayers, <laughs> right? Did Nancy, you know, tell us a, a whopper that one time when she said that all of our prayers are always answered? Well, today I want to talk about that a little bit, because certainly from time to time it will seem as though your prayer falls on deaf ears. So first of all, I want to talk to you about the formula, and so a little bit of this is a repeat from last week. First of all, we do need to make sure that our prayer is spoken from that place of affirmation, that place of what we want to have happen, rather from that, rather than from that place of avoiding what we don't want to have. And, and, and I know we're always tempted to pray for relief from something, Right? We're always tempted to to see the negativity that's going on, and our prayer can sometimes take the form of, please, dear God, not that. (laughs) The trouble is, what are we emphasizing in our prayer? We're emphasizing the not that. (laughs) And so, first of all, if you should come across a prayer that seems like it isn't getting you the traction you want, make sure that you're really in alignment with that which you wish to receive rather than sending those mixed messages of actually what you're planning on avoiding. Because when we mix up a prayer that way, it's sort of no wonder that you'll get mixed up results. The other thing I want to talk about is a little bit of the passion. And sometimes in particular, I notice this myself, when I pray for things that affect other large groups of people, like if I'm praying for world peace or something like that, i got to tell you, praying for world peace, as I have been this entire year, at some point, even it occurs to me what's going on <laughs> with my prayer, right? So the other thing to examine is whether you still have the oomph, you still have the passion, you still have the feeling of, yes, this not only could happen, but this will happen. Because when we're praying half-heartedly, and and I'll try to be more specific about what I mean by half-heartedly, when there's a part of us that sort of really doesn't believe it, it shows. It becomes part of the prayer too. We gave you a little formula last week that it's the words plus the feelings 
that actually lead to the change you want to see in the world. And I'm here to tell you, if they're not in alignment, again, you're going to get mixed results. Another way of talking about this is what I call the longing factor. Has everyone here ever longed for something, whether it's a relationship or a new job or uh, something that you just, you look at it and you go, oh, that would solve everything. <laughs> and just thinking about it, your eyes kind of light up and, you know, you see this more often in children when they're in the toy shop, but still, it's that, it's that sense of, oh, oh, that one... It, if I had that job, everything would be okay. If I, if I had that new house in the better neighborhood, everything that's wrong with my family would just be taken care of. <laughs> the trouble with longing is that it tends to put your heart's desire right there on the horizon. Has everyone been out into some part of the desert in eastern Oregon here? We have a, a couple whole counties that are mostly desert. And if you uh, find yourself out in, for instance, Malheur County on a nice warm day and you look at the horizon, you can imagine all kinds of things. It does that heat ripple kind of effect. And it just plays into almost our sense of daydreaming. And you can imagine anything out there on the horizon. The trouble with it is it always sits out there on the horizon. And my fear is that a lot of our prayers, the way we design them and the way we speak them and the way we hold them in our heads, actually keeps our good firmly within our visualization, but on the horizon. And we say to ourselves, someday when I'm retired, that lifestyle will be mine. Or we tell ourselves, once the kids are out of the house, finally my dream of my life being this way will be had. Or we say to ourselves, uh, I know that someday that job will be mine as soon as I have the right skills for it. Or, or as soon as certain alignment of the cosmos is. Or, I, I mean, I know we all have different ways of putting it out there. But the idea is, in our heart, it's out there. And sometimes it's we, we believe that we don't deserve it. Sometimes we believe that we're not smart enough to have the job that we want. Sometimes we believe that the forces are against us because we're, we're a woman or we're a minority or some other thing is stacked up against us. And what we're doing when we have any of those thoughts and beliefs in our mind is we're saying, yes, I can picture my good and there it is wait a minute, let me get on higher ground. And there it is, right there. And so what we have to do sometimes is pay even more attention to the feeling that we have in our prayer, the sense of our prayer, than we do the actual words. Now last week, we concentrated on the words. I gave you a little diagram so that you get all the right words in the right places. And, and yeah, that is important. But you know what? it's not as important as having your heart and your emotional body in the right place to receive. And I would suggest that 99% of the time, if our prayers feel like they're stuck, if our prayers feel like they're not being answered, 
it's because we're giving that ultimate mixed message of I want what I want, but mm, not quite yet. I'm not quite ready for it. I can't quite embody it. I can't quite see myself in it. I can't quite say, yeah, I expect it. You'll also remember from last week, we likened the idea of prayer to ordering things on Amazon.com. And again, I apologize for the trivial uh, example of that. But if you'll remember, when you order things from Amazon.com, you expect it. You have come to expect that it will be there. And I don't think we do that often enough with prayer. We hope it'll be there. See, it's right over there. We hope it'll get closer to us. But do we expect it? Do we have that sense of, yes, this is for me. This life that I'm choosing to experience is actually choosing me. I'm right in the middle of it. And so here's, here's the trick, if you will. Here's the plan that I have for us. If we want to shift from that idea of maybe into, yes, it's here, and that is to put yourself in the prayer. So when you're literally saying your prayers, especially those prayers we want to be effective to bring about a change in the world, you can visualize yourself right in the middle of it. Not visualizing yourself wanting it, not picturing yourself separate from it, but put yourself right in the middle of it. If you're praying for a new job, see yourself as already having it. Picture yourself in the board meeting or in the cafeteria. Picture yourself uh, on the bus or in the limousine on your way to it. Picture yourself in the fullness of that which you desire. If you want to uh, go back to school, picture yourself in the classroom. If you, if you want a new job or a new relationship, see it as already having yours. And then the extra little oomph is even, what am I feeling when I have that? Can I feel the love of it? Can I feel the, uh, well, whatever a job might mean to you? Can, can I feel the safety and security of it? Can I feel the blessing it would be to get that paycheck? So whatever the thing is, or the experience more likely, so often we talk about things, but, but really it's probably the experience that we're wanting. What do you feel when you have that experience? When you are in the loving relationship, what does it feel like? When you are in the new job, what does that feel like? When, you're, when your body is whole and perfect and, and, and there's no more pain in it, what does that feel like? Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, when you can bring alignment to your desire and your sense of feeling it, of owning it, of expecting it, that is when the prayer is answered like that. That is when there's, there's no waiting, there's no hesitation, there's a clarity in the mind of what it is, and there's a clarity in the heart that it is yours now. Thich Nhat Hanh also has a couple words about this idea of when it seems like the prayer isn't being answered. He says, sometimes when we pray, we see that the words of the prayer are effective. Sometimes we get a result so strongly, it's as though God is literally saying yes. Sometimes we get the reply, not quite yet. Sometimes maybe, and sometimes the reply appears to be no. That no is hard to hear, but this is not the refusal of God, of the Buddha, of the Bodhisattva. It is the energy, it is that the energy sent 
is not yet strong enough to change the situation. It means that your heart isn't fully engaged in it. That energy of ownership, that energy of seeing yourself in the change, you, you haven't fully embodied it yet. It's still there, but not yet. And then when the answer is no, it does not necessarily mean that our prayers are ineffective. It may be creating results that we cannot yet see. Which is the other little tip about this, is sometimes we pray for a long time, and, and, and back to my, uh, one of my missions this year to bring about world peace, who am I to say that the world isn't more peaceful now? Simply because the newspaper is filled with stories of trouble, right? Why do I think my prayer is not effective? Probably the world is peaceful, more peaceful for all of us praying for it, and I have to trust that. Part of this is that indwelling faith that our prayers are answered, even when we get occasionally signs to the contrary out in the world. There are always going to be people who will point out the opposite. Have you noticed that? And I bet some of us even have them as family members, which is, is, is particularly fun, right? We embark upon uh, some new career or some new way of being. And, uh, and even sometimes people closest to us will find out all of the reasons why that's going to fail. And they will point them out to you. They will, you know, you'll, you'll want to move across the country or go back to school or whatever it might be. Some wonderful new vision of, of friendship and utility. And oh my gosh, it's almost like let the line of dissenters form here, right? <laughs> but that does not mean that you will not be successful. It simply means that the world will tend to bring up for our evaluation, even that which is uncomfortable. In a way, it wants us to come into that alignment. It's, it's allowing the world to bring up other ways of looking to clarify, no, what I want is what I want, and what I want I shall have. And I just let it go. I let it just wash over and around me. It's other people's ideas. It's other people's opinions. When I have that commonality of what my head says and my heart says, I will be successful. And if other people throw doubt on that, that's their thing. It's simply their thing. The other thing in the book uh, this week that I want to talk about and, and use a little bit of time on uh, came as a surprise to me. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh was using some examples of effective prayers, which is what we're talking about. And uh, lo and behold, in the middle of this chapter, an effective prayer that I haven't heard in quite a while. Uh, Jim, would you, would you cue that up for us? I found an audio recording of it for you. Tete <laughs> 
מתול דילך חי מלכות, הוחי לוותש בוכתא. ללם, אלמין, אמן. Well, I'm getting the look from some of you, so I, 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 I better explain. Uh, so a couple thousand years ago, when uh, uh, Jesus' disciples asked, well, how, Master, should we pray? What is a good example of an effective prayer? He would have spoken in Aramaic, as you just heard, the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, you know, much to my surprise here in the middle of a Buddhist book is Thich Nhat Hanh going on about what a powerful prayer this was. And he does a, a complete, uh, if you will, Buddhist interpretation of it. Now, I'm, I know many of you have already gotten the book. I'm not going to spoil that. But I thought what I would do today is talk about from Ernest Holmes' perspective in the New Thought Movement why also we think that is such an effective prayer. Oh my gosh, the miracles. Uh, take a, go home and Google, if you, if you dare, uh, on miracles and the Lord's Prayer, the number of people that have been healed, the, the amount of trouble that has been calmed simply by this one uh, traditional Christian pa- uh, prayer is outstanding. But let me give you uh, an interpretation from Irvin Seal, Uh, one of the uh, one of the followers in uh, science of mind and and one of the the folks that does a lot of Bible commentary in the new thought movement, so our Father, which art in heaven, he says, "My consciousness is the father of all my expressions. I recognize no other power or cause. Hallowed be thy name. This is the hallowed state of God's presence in me." So another way of looking at this is back to our step one in science of mind treatment. God is all there is. There's no other power, no other cause. There is only God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This presence of peace and confidence has divine power to express itself in my world. So that a, a hermetic principle of as above, so below, that sense as it is true for God, so it is true for me in my world. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation. All of these are that step three where we're claiming what it is we want to receive. We're picturing ourselves having our daily bread, which uh, a seal says, my bread for today is the idea of good that satisfies my soul's hunger. I can have all I need from God's table without limit. Forgive us our trespasses, uh, so I give up all anger and take up peace. Lead us not in temptation, I set my heart on good and only on good. I will have no other gods. I will have nothing in competition with the one spirit. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I can do nothing of myself but choose this good. And the power is in the spirit of God that moves through me now. And then, amen. And uh, most of us, I think, know that amen simply translates into And so it is. 
So you see this hugely powerful prayer throughout history. It's not only revered uh, revered for the Christians, but it has a place in science of mind. It is even hallowed by Thich Nhat Hanh as a, a truly powerful sort of Buddhist prayer. And my thought is, of course, that Ernest Holmes just stole, stole this format. Right? I think that in the Lord's Prayer and some of the other teachings of Jesus, I mean, one of the things that's well known uh, on Ernest Holmes' nightstand was not only a copy of, uh, uh, of uh, um, oh gosh, my words are leaving me, Emerson, but of course also uh, a Bible. And so my thought is when he was formulating this particularly successful way to pray, he literally listened to one of the masters, Jesus, telling his disciples how to pray. So that was the Lord's Prayer. Let me talk for a minute, though, about how we might incorporate this power into our own prayer work. One way is simply to use something that is familiar. So for those of you who may have been raised in the Christian tradition, perhaps consider reciting the Lord's Prayer as part of your own spiritual practice. Now, I know there are all different uh, uh, things wrong with it, right? And much in the same way I said there might be a line of people to talk me out of trying uh, new things, what I would like to suggest is a prayer that has been prayed for for thousands of years by millions of people and experienced some success, there may be some power in it. Give it a try. One of the things we're famous for in the science of mind is giving things a try. So your homework this week, if you're willing to accept it, I'm not going to turn you into Jesus freaks, I promise. (laughs) But see if when you're doing your own spiritual practice, if you just say the Lord's Prayer to kind of set it off. Because what I'm thinking this does, it works in Aramaic, right? It works in whatever language Thich Nhat Hanh speaks, uh, French, I think. He lives in France. It works, uh, right? So I'm thinking there's something to this more than just the literal words on the page. There's probably something in this prayer, and, and we can think of it just as a mystical things that happens that somehow opens our hearts and makes us more in the right frame of mind for things to happen. So homework this week, really simple. Uh, Read the Lord's Prayer, and then do your spiritual practice. So if you're in the habit of doing other prayer work or meditation, just try setting the tone just as an experiment this week and see what happens. The other thing I want to uh, just, uh, again, coach you on a little bit is see if you can notice whether your feelings are in alignment with your prayers. Because I think that's the main source where sometimes it appears that our prayers aren't answered. So even as you're saying your prayer, allow that little bit of an observer in the back of your mind to ask the question, am I feeling this? I'm saying it. Am I also feeling it? Do I have that sense that, yeah, this new job, uh, this healing, this whatever it is, really is mine? Am, Am I up for it? Do I have that sense of, being in it. So I would ask you just to do those two things. So we're going to close with a prayer. 
And uh, like last week, you know, I've been promising to give you lots of examples uh, of effective prayers. And so like last week, is there anyone here that would like a prayer and doesn't mind uh, verbalizing what's up for them that I might do a prayer for them? Any takers? Nancy. Healing of my shoulder. Healing of your shoulder. Okay. All right. So I simply ask each of us to open our hearts to see the eternal wholeness and completeness of the universe itself. And whether you imagine the night sky with its uh, panorama of stars, whether you think of a forest with limitless trees, just notice that in God's universe, everything is present. There's nothing missing and there's nothing extra. It's all whole. It's all perfect. This is God. And as I know there is a perfect God, so I know that mankind, that humankind is part of God. Perfect God, perfect human. We can't really escape it because we're part of the divine, and I know that God does not make junk. God makes everything in its own image. That's the promise of Scripture, and I, and I believe it. I believe that God's creations are whole and perfect. So perfect God, perfect human. And now I speak my word for my friend Nancy, and I recognize that she too is perfect in her mind, in her body, in her spirit. There is a perfection of being that cannot be denied. Even as the night sky is beautiful and perfect, so is my friend. And I see her radiantly moving about this planet, doing all the things she wishes to do, reaching out in gladness and uh, uh, with effortless ease. I recognize in her that ability to do everything she chooses to do, whether it's working in her garden, playing with friends, enjoying life. This is bodily perfection. And so as I see my friend in it, I give thanks for it. I recognize that gratitude that comes from seeing someone effortlessly living their life. And with gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law. That law that does always say yes. That God that always affirmatively notices and acts upon our prayers. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.